Okay, so I am Trevor Taylor. This is episode number one of the Leafman Podcast. Co-host Brooks McWhorter. Hello. We're going to just do a Q and A. Keep it very simple for episode one, and talk about some of the things that we think that you guys should know about us and our business, and why we think we have anything to say at all. Granted. <laughs> all right. Do we just want to launch into questions, or do we want to? Do you have anything else you? Any updates you need to bring up? Um, no. Let's just launch into questions, right? Q and A. Let's get started. All right. Perfect. Uh, let's see. As a business owner, how do you develop self-discipline and use it every day? It's a good question. Um, so self-discipline is like, can be learned, right? Um, yeah, of course. Some people are born, I feel like are born more with it. Some people are develop it over time. You know, I feel like it's, it's like any gift given to any individual, right? Like some people have more of it naturally and some people need to like work and develop it in my personal opinion. So to develop self-discipline, like I, I did not have a lot of self-discipline. People think that because I was in the army, I have like. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I had self-discipline when I was in the army because <laughs> I had to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like, because we were forced to, right? So like for those of you that are first time listeners, like Brooks and I served together in, in 2000, the early 2000s. 10s. And 2010. Yeah. We deployed together to Iraq for 13 months and um, we've been friends ever since. And then we started a tree business many, many, many years later. Um, yeah. So self-discipline was like, I feel like people think that because you're in the army, like you're just like this. So we just like. Yeah. It's, it's, doesn't, it doesn't have, how do I want to say transfer over once you go in back into civilian life? Yeah. It's almost harder because you're like, I've been doing this discipline, have, I've had this hard discipline life for all these years, it's like I'm finally free. Yeah. I can do what I want. Nobody's telling you what to do. So it's not forced discipline anymore, right? So you have to like relearn stuff on your own. So for me, after the military, I didn't have a whole lot of discipline. I spent a lot of time drinking, a lot of time doing really whatever I wanted to do. I always worked pretty hard, but my self-discipline just wasn't there, like, or my physical health, my mental health. So a few years back, um, I got sober and, um, that's when self-discipline started for me. So like I white knuckled it, right? I didn't drink for a long time. And then eventually like that stopped being a part of my life or stopping being a thing that I thought of all the time. And so the next one was like physical health, right? Making myself go to the gym every day, eat healthier. Like sometimes you fail and sometimes you lose and you go on like these cycles where like sometimes you're very successful with your discipline and like you go to the gym every day and you eat healthy. And all the time you fall off the wagon and your discipline kind of lacks. I think to develop self-discipline, you just do hard things over and over again. Right. I see. Like, <laughs> right. And it's, and it's hard at the beginning because you like, I feel like when someone discovers wanting to have self-discipline, they go from zero to a hundred and then they end up disappointing themselves and failing rather than creating realistic goals. Like rather than being like, Hey, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week and eat well. They're just like the first time they do it, they're like, okay, I'm going to get self-discipline and I'm gonna look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. the, and, and then it's un, unattainable for like ever pretty much. It doesn't yield like the right results. Yeah. They like set the goal. It's good to have high, really excessive goals, but you also need to understand how goal setting works. And that is you have one big long-term goal, and then you break that down into small, manageable, bite-sized goals. And so people often set their goal. Yeah, I'm going to look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson by the end of the year. Okay, you can look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson maybe a few years down the road. Maybe let's, a thousand. <laughs> but let's, let's rein it in and like, what can you do in actionable steps this week? And that's did you go to the gym five out of those seven days that you wanted to go? Did you eat healthy? And like, if you miss a little bit that day, 
restart the next day. Don't just quit because you don't look like Dwayne Johnson because you lost one day in, in the battle. You lost one day, restart the next, continue mission. And just uh, just another question that I kind of thought up uh, on the fly here that has to do with it. Um, what part of your like self-discipline routine kind of like, because I know I have my thing that yeah. I have to do every day and that's like the thing that makes or breaks my day. Like, is what's the thing, what's the discipline that you have that makes or breaks your day? I go, um, so over, yeah, over a year ago I did Andy Frisella's shout out um, 75 hard program. And um Part of the program is to do one outside workout every day for 45 minutes. And I started doing a walk every morning. I'll go like on a run or a walk three miles outside in the snow. And, uh, this year I like set a goal to do six miles because I did three miles every day last year. So this year I made that, that goal six miles a day. And um, I, I feel like garbage if I don't do my walk that day. It's like one hour of the day where I'm not running my business. I'm not putting out fires. I'm not, I'm not working on anything other than just like doing my walk and listening to something that is furthering my mental development. So I'm like accomplishing one physical goal and one mental goal. Cause during, during the, that hour and a half or hour, it's just time that I can like push my own personal progress forward. Right. And, and, and bring me up to date on, on the latest fire. Yeah. And bring you up to date on the latest fire sometimes. Cause we do roll out in the mornings and there's like always fires to put out, but Whenever I'm not on the phone with you, I'm I'm literally yeah, just like listening to an audio book or thinking about like what I need to do for for my own personal growth. But when I can actually spend time growing me and not growing my business, not growing my marriage, not growing spiritual responsibilities, it's just like e pushing. Yeah, that's honestly like I feel like that's one of our our biggest differences too. I always think about it and and laugh, but it impresses me like how much you can listen to like autobiographies and these like, like self-help books. Like I love them. I love doing it. But if I read them every day, I'd, my brain, well, my brain would short circuit. Like, like, cause I, but also I'm a fan of fiction. You know what I mean? I like that stuff like that. But I, I don't know if I ever told you, I like, I just think it's super impressive that you can listen to them over and over again and retain it. Yeah. I like them, man. I love my autobiographies. I think that they have a lot to, their stories are cool. I do listen to like fictional stuff though. You know, and I, I I tell fantasy in there and fiction, man, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nerdy a little bit. I like my comics and stuff. So. But the autobiographies and stuff also almost keep, keep you on, keep you honest and keep you on track with yourself, the discipline in the way that like, yeah. like if you're reading someone that's inspirational and then you're, you're less likely to go eat a box of donuts. I feel like like, yeah. like if you're reading Goggins, uh, one of Goggins books, yeah. you're not going to go like right after that and you're going to go do a thousand pull-ups, you know? Yeah. Well, it's also, it also puts things into perspective, you know, like for instance, and in, in uh, you know, Michael Jordan's autobiography, not even to include his early career, just to include his later career, it took him nine years to become the GOAT, right? He did three championships and then he took like three years off and then he did three more championships. Right. So that, not to mention college. Not to mention college. Yeah. That, yeah. Just, just, just that part was a decade though. So when you're like six months into building your business or a year or three, you know, like, and you're talking about complaining and you haven't gotten where you wanted to go yet, you haven't even started so why are you thinking that it's time to quit like ball hasn't even started rolling it and then you think about michael jordan doing that over the course of a decade and then you read shoe dog by phil knight right and she did that over the course of 50 years to build nike you know like it was not like it started off small so like you and you get all all high and mighty and i do it too everyone gets all high and mighty like i'm working so hard and why is this not as far as it is it's compounding right it takes time like first you got to build a little snowball from nothing 
And then you push it and push it and push it and push it and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually that thing starts, momentum starts rolling it itself and it doesn't require it much from you. So it doesn't happen. Right, exactly. Physical load and mental load gets easier as you go. I think, I don't necessarily think it gets easier. Like I have more on my plate, but your capacity to carry it gets bigger and it's also pushing itself. And those two things together is what becomes an unstoppable force. Right, exactly. I agree. Well, to practice around self-discipline is stay on track. Yes. Let's uh, let's go to the next question. We've got, oh, this is a good one and a hard one to remember as far as how tough it was, but how did Trico start? Ooh, I'll let you start yeah. there. So yeah, we were talking about Trico starting and um, yeah, so I got, it's a very long, intricate story. Basically, I'd been in a lot of trouble throughout my younger years, like after the military, I was a heavy drinker. And I got sober and moved to Utah to like restart and everything. And um, I got in trouble for something and my dad bailed me out of jail. And when he bailed me out of jail, he asked me if I would go see um, the guy that runs his church in the LDS community, it's called a bishop. So I went and saw the bishop and uh, a few days later, he asked me if uh, I needed any work because I was in hair school with Brooks at the time. And, uh, so I, I was like, yeah, I can do some remodel work for you. And I ended up remodeling his other business's office. He has a very successful business. We remodeled his office. Yeah. Remodeled his office. And then he had some bunch of trees in his parking lot and asked me if I wouldn't, would trim his trees for him. And so like me and Brooks went out there and trimmed his trees for him. And then he jokingly, like in passing, brought up starting a tree removal business because there's little to no overhead. And we were sorely mistaken about that. Yeah, we were. Yeah, that was wrong. That was wrong. <laughs> that was way wrong. No, I think it's dumb, man. It's basically like no money. Yeah, he was like, he was like, yeah, very little overhead, overhead, and he's like, but then I'm gonna buy this hundred thousand dollar fucking truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, just, just on you know, All of this heavy duty equipment that gets hammered on every single day. Yeah, no big deal. Um, yeah, we were just for you folks at home. There is overhead. Lots yeah, of it. Lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. It was. Uh, we jokingly said that, and I had just gone to hair school. Brooks and I actually are licensed cosmetologists. Which is another long story. Another long story. But yeah, we are we are actually licensed cosmetologists. We both fulfilled 1,600 hours requirement, which is over a year of schooling, and then tested at the state boards and passed. So I just spent a year doing this, and I thought I was going to like be a licensed cosmetologist and like make a bunch of money. And so this opportunity came about, and I didn't know what to do. But then uh, his gutter business was really good. And he was like an important figure in his community to me. Like I, lo I looked up to him. He, he was cool and like had his life together and was able to help other people. And that's what I wanted. So I chose to put hair school on hold and go into the tree business with him. And then I asked Brooks, I was like, hey man, I think I'm going to do this tree business thing. Do you want to do it with me? And, and then Brooks was like- Yeah, first employee, OG. <laughs> OG. OG, yeah. And Brooks was like, okay. And so we hand carried- logs for over Bro, the worst. we didn't know anything Dude, we know we knew so little about tree business that we walked into an rei and we're like hey we need climbing gear and they were like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is not they're like the right kind of stuff. climbing gear. this is wrong yeah. wrong stuff yeah this is the wrong kind of climbing gear this is not correct yeah for sure so we had like a lot of people that helped us along the way like literally at some point brooks and i were like youtubing videos in it while during the tree work on how to climb and do tree work and not and not to mention the first the first day i had as an employee was also the first day i saw a chainsaw in real life yeah Yep. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so we started off with nothing, no clients, zero. And like Spencer, like we, we had one truck, one trailer, and it broke down all the time. And that was a big gamble for him. And it was a big gamble for us. You know, we didn't know anything about it. And we set our sights on a number that first year. And like we door knocked and we passed out flyers. Yeah, we hired the hired the church youth group to hired the church youth group to like come out and pass out flyers. And the ranch children. Yeah, yeah. We did like a bunch of different things. We were very like 
ingenuitive and we did whatever we needed to make things work. And we both wore a lot of hats at that time. Like I was doing the sales and being the foreman and, and doing all of it. And then we just built and built and built in the first year, set the number pretty high for our revenue goals. The second year we doubled our first year. The third year we doubled from our second year. And I think like our fourth year will double from our third year. So now we're in year three, building a tree business from no knowledge about tree removals. And we are at the million dollar. Yeah. And now we've got a great crew and great, great employees, great culture and all that stuff. All that goes back to our original question about self-discipline. Like those things were accomplished because of self-discipline. Like Brooks and I both hyper-focus on how to be good leaders. It's not necessarily telling people how to do things or telling people what to do all the time. It's showing them and leading by example, and then like taking the time to nurture those relationships and nurture good environments for people to work in because we are servants of our employees and of our clients, not the other way around. Right. Exactly. I agree. And uh, another, another random one for you. Um, let's see. Ooh, this goes into exactly what we were just saying. Great segue. What things are important? I would say more, I would phrase this more. How did we cultivate the, our company culture? Like how, what was your vision and how did it come to be? And I'll, Obviously, I'm yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, like you said earlier, I've read a lot of these autobiographies, dude. And uh, one thing that they all have in common is they just care about their employees and they care about their customers and clients. And uh, so our, our company culture is just like that. Like, we have candor with each other. We're very open with our communication. Like, I have a lot to learn as a leader and a CEO and an entrepreneur. And I know that, which is why I'm okay with employees telling me like, Hey man, that, that didn't work out so well. Now there's a fine line between being a pushover and being someone who listens and cares. And you have to establish that like, even though. I feel like as long as it makes sense, you should always take a suggestion yeah. from an employee mm -hmm. there. And it, and it should always just be, it shouldn't be like, fine. Then what's your idea? It should be like, tell me. Yeah. Well, I forget who the quote was, but like there was a quote um, from someone and it, and it's like, this might be not perfect, but the quote is the genius of any company lies within the minds of its people. Right. So like all of our employees have, they're in the field every day, things changing, like the world is changing. The tree world is changing all these things. So if we're not listening to them and figuring out how to grow and how to better their lives, then we're not, we're not doing our job because our job is to make their lives easier to do their jobs. And then in turn, because they have a good hospitable working environment, they make our lives easy because work is getting done and bills are getting paid and people are happy. So when you focus more on how to make people happy, customers included, your life becomes easy. So it's like giver's gain, right? Right. And, and it's been a long journey. I feel like, like I'd be curious as to know what you think as far as this, but this is this company culture that we've cultivated is very, rel relatively new. Yeah. Um, we went through a lot of stages of like, like you said, wearing so many hats and trying to handle so many things while also making lives easy for our employees and stuff um, before we had been built up and whatnot. When do you think that we, like when you and I had the first conversation where we really kind of turned it around from like, remember when like Matt and Andrew and stuff like that, it was kind of just like morale was super low and yeah. we had kind of really figured it out yet. And then when, like, I feel like right after they left, right when we brought Svenny on was kind of when we changed that. Well, when we changed for the better in a big, oh, yeah. in a big way, like in a noticeable way. It, it was the reason that happened. And, and maybe your perspective on it is different. My perspective is every leader is learning to grow, right? 
And so like I spent the first few years of Trico in the field with the crew, also doing sales. And like every day I was like, they're motivating. I telling people about my visions and dreams and like, here's where Trico is going to go. And like, here's what we're planning on doing. We are going to take over Utah Valley and like be the best that we can be. But at the very least they're in the know. Yeah. At least they were in the know. But then I, we had built to a point where I could get out of the field and like do my job of working on the company, not in the company. The problem was I was still green. Didn't understand or didn't know that I had to take time out of my day to go encourage the crew like that and inform them of those things because the dream got lost because now it was secondhand. So like the foreman and the sales guys were hearing it from me, but they weren't necessarily relaying it to the rest of the guys in morale. It's easy to drop down that way. So like I didn't do my job of helping everyone see the vision. And that's our job as leaders is to make sure everyone sees the vision. And it, and it, and it was also hard. I mean, it was, the, I mean, pandemic, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, it, it was tough because it for a little while, you and me had talked a lot about to, that goes along with what you just said. Um, also, the times when it just felt so, like each crew felt so separate. Like Andrew felt so far away when he was a sales guy. He felt so far away from the crew. And then like you were, for a little while when you were really busy and you had all that stuff going on, like kind of right around the time you married Erica yeah. and you had all that house stuff going on. And and like, and, and there, that, there was a disconnect there with the guys. Like, I mean, I'll admit it to you now, but we were all back then. We were like, what was he doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's a disconnect and you're not sharing these things. At now we in our weekly meetings, just reiterating things and having guys be in the know, I think speaks further and goes further than most companies do these. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that was part of the growth process that I didn't understand then. You know, like I, I had heard stuff and seen stuff from Spencer, but that was before I had, you know, read all these books or like learned all this stuff and like really, really cared about learning how to like serve the guys. And that, that was like, at that time it was, we're growing Trico for certain financial numbers or we had like certain financial goals and those are still goals, but that's not really the goal now. The goal isn't to hit a certain financial number. The goal is to build the best working environment for employees and for servicing the greater Utah Valley with tree work, right? So like at that time I didn't understand those things. So I was like, oh yeah, the train is running. What, what do I need to do? Like the guys are doing their job, sales guys, like what do they need from me? Yeah, yeah you almost, you almost get, you're almost always surprised, myself included, always surprised with how much, like whenever I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're gonna be self-sufficient. They're, they're not ever. Yeah. And it's always, especially with Andrew was the biggest disappointment. He's been doing trees for 10 years of his life. And I was like, I'm gonna make you a sales guy. You'd be great at it. And he sucked at it. <laughs> he just didn't pan out, you know? But that, be, that comes from like us as leaders, we have to develop too, right? Like, so I was put into a position and you were put into a position that we'd never been in. And every time you do that, there's a counterbalance, but that's our job, right? As we grow into a $10 million company, $20 million company, statewide company, nationwide company, whatever. Every time there's a new position that has not been there before. And that position needs to be carved out and learned and the trials and errors need to be worked through. And then once that is good and you're self-managing there, then you put somebody else in that position because now you can teach them the things that you had to learn from trial and error. Right. And again, and, and seeing that path and us implementing it brings it back to that culture where the guys are happy. Like they, they know what's going on. Yeah. Not knowing what's going on is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. My, my biggest thing I think as like a, as far as company culture goes is like, even if you have a self driving machine, your job as an owner or as a leader in any company is, is even if that machine is self driving, you have to like maintain it, check on it, communicate with it, show it where it's going. If you don't do those things and like, it's just going to coast till it stops. Yeah takes a lot of maintenance still. And that's what we do with Trico. Like we try to instill like, Hey, we have candor with each other. Hey man, 
talk to me about what you guys think we can work on. We'll talk to you about things that you, we think you can work on. Or, you know, like that's why in our, on, in our huddles, we have the problem and solution section. So everyone can say like, hey, this is a problem. Here's how we can fix it. So it's not just being told constantly what to do. It's here's the big vision. Here's how we think we can get there. What do you guys think? And here's how you're a part of it. Yeah, here's how you're a part of it. They need to feel like they are involved in something. It's a super important dynamic, you know, but because because we think about these things, you know, you and me actually take time outside of work and life to think about these things. That's, I feel, I feel like that's what a good business owner does is they think about like what they can do better to service their people. That is like a fundamental difference between successful companies and non-successful and I, and I feel like the more you take care of your employees, like, yeah, obviously you got to be on them in the way of always having reviews, always checking in, yada, yada. But the second you think it's going to run itself um, is without any oversight is when you lose it. Yeah. But anyways, all right, let's move on to the next one. This one, this will, this will be a wordy one. I feel like I need to take an ibuprofen before I read this question, but what... <laughs> Was it hard building a business and what was hard about it? Everything. Everything. Um, we'll make it quick because uh, we don't have much time left. But um, the hardest part of running a business. For me, the hardest part of running a business is teaching the guys, teaching teaching employees, like, see the path. And also, we live in, in a world where, like, so many people have demeaned, taken advantage of, or hurt one another, that it's like second nature for people not to trust you. So like rebuilding people's whole life to a point where it's like, hey, this is a trustworthy environment. Rebuilding that trust with employees is like, that's been super difficult to do. It's like, you can tell them a thousand times, but they've heard it from a thousand other bosses because everyone hears it on Instagram. They know what to say to make people believe them. And yeah, and, and it's almost like, like, like work... <laughs> Work is always like an F word, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where like a lot of people just growing up, you hear it, oh work, oh work on TV, on sitcoms, work and yeah. like I never but I mean I'm a culprit as well. I did the same thing. You know what I mean? It's all it was what I was exposed to. And then but I'm proud of us in the way that this company I, I couldn't imagine working anywhere else now. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what it would be like because to me work was always work and it was like eight hours, I was watching the clock the whole time. And now, like, all it is is just every day trying to just build towards what we're building. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just what I'm doing. It's not what I, I'm not being forced to do it, at, you know. And that, that's the goal, right? Is like, is to rebuild that, 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 that trust with the guys so they know that, like, we're men of our words. If I tell you that I'm going to get you to a certain point salary-wise or get you to a certain rank in the company, like, I will get you there. So many times it's been broken in the past and so many people tell them because they just regurgitate stuff from Instagram. Oh, yeah, we're a family. We're a family business and this and that, like, but nobody actually stands by their words when things like when push get hard. That's why we are doing things differently. That's why when things get tight in the winter, we take on debt to make sure our guys get paid, even if we're not doing shoe work and making money, because we told them we would make sure that they can provide for their families. And sometimes that means that we have to put ourselves in a dysfunctional spot in order to keep our word. And in the lo- and in the lo- in the long run, you're not losing money. You're going to make more money because you're keeping your skilled guys that know your processes that use your stuff that and. The more loyalty you have, yeah. the more money you're going to make in the summer. It just translates directly. Like, and you cannot build a large company without a bunch of people at the helm that trust each other. And that only comes from people doing the things they say they're going to do. And the only, like, the only companies that have high turnover and make a lot of money are fast food restaurants. You know what I mean? Like, like, or like restaurants, like yeah. stuff like that. It's just like, 
and and you don't want to be that. It's not even. I used to have dreams like when I first used to listen to like Steve Jobs' work and stuff like that. I had dreams of like changing the world, like all these like oh I'm going to build like the biggest tree business and or like maybe tree business isn't right because it doesn't. It's not like this huge worldwide thing. Then the more I get into it, the more I I start thinking about the employees and what I care about. The more I realize that like it's not even about that. What it is about is taking the people that we have now and expanding as much as we can and making room for as many people as we can to live like really good rock solid lives. That just means like caring. That's all it is. It doesn't matter the size of what we're building. It just matters the intent of why we're built to do good work. And if you intend, and if you intend on doing it, usually you'll do it yeah. or you'll come close. Yeah. Aim small, this ball. <laughs>